Welcome to the Rebel Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Leona Burton. In a world where conformity often reigns supreme, I'm here to spotlight the rebels, the mavericks, and the trailblazers who are changing the game. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Peaks Private Members Club, where exclusivity meets innovation. Join me as we dive into the untamed world of influencers who dare to defy the norm. Get ready to be inspired, challenged and captivated as we explore the stories and insights of those who are rewriting the rules. Let's unleash the rebel in you. Ryan, thank you so much for agreeing to be here today. This is such an important conversation. Trigger warning for anybody that's listening. This is a very important conversation, but it might feel upsetting for some listeners it might feel triggering for some listeners so we are putting a trigger warning on but it's a very important conversation which is why we are having it today so Ryan I saw you speak at Be Inspired and you blew me away you not only blew me away as a speaker but your knowledge and your passion and your willingness to learn and understand as much as possible about this subject really was what captivated my attention and why I had to have you on this podcast today because for me it's not a sexy conversation it's not how to make sales and you know live a Lamborghini lifestyle it's real stuff this is this is impacting families every single day every single day every single day so Ryan please do introduce yourself for those people who don't know who you are Thank you, Leona. It's really brilliant to be here. It was great to meet you as well at Be Inspired. And I think probably the best thing that I can possibly do is really give everyone an idea of how my journey started and why I'm talking to you about mental health and in particular male mental health. Because back in June 2019, I bumped into a lady who I hadn't seen in years and I was really excited to hear the latest about her son. Because Jenny's son, Brad, was taller than me, more muscular, some would say slightly better looking. Um, Obviously, I might not agree with that, but a strong argument could be made. But the important thing to know is that Brad had a fast car, a big house and a great job. Plus, he was a dad with a loving wife. And I like to believe that I was on the same trajectory as Brad, but I was just a couple of years behind because of the age difference. And then I saw the look on his mum's face and I realised... I must have said something to offend her. And she said, Ryan, you're asking me how Brad is. You don't know. Brad's killed himself. And I was really taken aback by that. In fact, there's sort of two main reasons why I was taken aback by that, Leona. The first is I had always thought my whole life that when people are successful, they'll be happy. Brad was easily the most successful person I knew. And reason number two is I had always heard what we all hear. And what I'd always heard was the reason why men have worse mental health outcomes than women when it comes to suicide is because men just don't talk. And yet Brad was the most articulate and open man that I knew. I found out after his death that two years before Brad died, he went to the doctor and said, please help. I think I'm depressed. I know I'm having thoughts about suicide. Brad's doctor did what doctors are supposed to do. And Brad's doctor prescribed Brad antidepressants and referred Brad to talking therapy. 
Brad took antidepressants and attended talking therapy. And then two months before his death, Brad's mum, Jenny, who is a mental health practitioner, said, Brad, call me every night. Tell me how you feel. You've got to open up. You've got to get these things off your chest. Of course, I'm not saying these things didn't help Brad. I'm sure they did. But what really stuck with me at the time, Leona, is that here was a man who'd done all the things we tell men to do when they're in crisis, and yet he still wasn't here. And so Brad's mum, Jenny, said to me, Ryan, you should learn about this. Because every five hours, four people die from suicide in the UK and Ireland. Three of them are men. And in fact, in fact, for every three suicides in the UK, for every three of all suicides in the UK, one of them is a man aged 45 to 49. So men, and especially middle-aged men, are really highly represented in suicide and death. And when I learned this, I thought, I've got to know more about this. In fact, I wanted to learn more, not to help anyone else, actually. It sounds really selfish, but I wanted to learn more because I knew Brad wouldn't want what happened to him to happen to me. And so I took what Jenny said really seriously. I decided to set aside one day every week from June 2019 until the end of the year to learn everything that I could about male mental health. I had no idea where to start. I had no medical, no mental health background. And so I decided just by asking big questions that I didn't know the answer to and reading scientific studies. And it's the very, very first day. And I really didn't know where to start. So I was just reading studies about life expectancy in men. And I read one study that just happened to mention there is one day every year where heart attacks in men jump up by as much as 30%. And on the same day of the year, heart attacks in women go down significantly. So by about the same, 30%. Leona, can you guess what day that is? It's one day of the year. So when you first asked me this question, I was thinking Christmas Day, the football, <laughs> Mother's Day. I mean, they were all the initial thoughts that came to mind and I was actually blown away by the answer. Yeah, and there were really good guesses that you had as well. So for example, on Christmas Day, heart attacks do jump up in men. But the key thing is they also go up in women. So this day where heart attacks jump up significantly in men, but not in women, it's actually the Monday after the clocks jump forward by one hour. Wow. And when I learned that, I had to know why. And it turns out that what happens in our bodies when we miss one hour sleep, because when the clocks change, we all kind of know we should go to bed an hour early, but I don't know about you, but I never do. I just kind of get one hour less sleep generally. Yeah, absolutely. And so the clocks change, everyone gets one hour less sleep, and this affects men and women very differently. If you're male, having one hour less sleep lowers your testosterone significantly. And in a male body, as testosterone goes down, his chances of having a heart attack go up. And when I first learned that, I thought, that's really weird. 
because I was 29 at the time. And I remember thinking my whole life, I had never heard anything positive about testosterone. In fact, I remember when I was a kid and there was a fight in my local pub, my mum's friends used to say, well, it's no wonder they ended up fighting because there was too much testosterone in that room. And so I wondered, how can a hormone that causes fights in pubs also protect men from having a heart attack? I decide next week when I'm next learning about male mental health, I've got to learn more about testosterone. So the following week comes around. My first question, why does testosterone make men aggressive? Turns out testosterone does not make men aggressive. That is a myth that was disproved decades ago. Just unfortunately, the PR around testosterone hasn't caught up with the truth. The next thing I wanted to know is if testosterone wasn't bad, why does it protect a man's heart? And it turns out that not only does testosterone protect a man's heart, but it also protects his mental health. The average middle-aged man who is depressed has 30% less testosterone than the average middle-aged man who's not depressed. And now I was really interested because that year in 2019, the biggest killer of men from the age of 18 to 45 was suicide. Now, suicide is the biggest killer of men from 18 to 50, because it keeps going up. But at the time, it was 18 to 45. And suicide and depression in men, especially middle-aged men, are linked to low levels of testosterone. The biggest killer of men that year from 45 to 60 was heart disease. And heart disease, heart attack, and heart failure in men are all linked to low le levels of testosterone. So then I had to know, if all the biggest killers of men from 18 to 45, 45 to 60, are all linked to low testosterone, what happens after the age of 60? The biggest killer of men after the age of 60 is cancer. The most likely cancer that a man will be diagnosed with is prostate cancer. And can you guess what is the single biggest indicator that a man will be diagnosed with prostate cancer? Oh, and this, again, it blew my mind. Low testosterone. Yeah. In fact, the, the longer that a man maintains his testosterone at a healthy level, the lower his chances of ever getting prostate cancer. And once a man's level of testosterone gets below a healthy level, there's a certain level we won't go into. That's a bit too in-depth for a normal conversation. But once a man's level of testosterone gets to a certain point, his chances of developing prostate cancer triple. And so which actually, is, which is, I mean, that is that is huge. And and hearing you on stage talk about these things, it was like a, a punch to my gut because I have I have a husband and I have three boys. Two of them are older teenagers now, and you know, boys will be boys. And guys, calm down. That testosterone needs to like chill on out over here. You know, you're doing all these things and, you know, typical mum vernacular. Um, and the when you when you were talking about what men actually needed, or when you, I'm sure you'll talk about that in a moment, it was 
it was things I hadn't been encouraging. It was it was things that I hadn't even thought about that would make a difference to men in a very different way that they make a difference to women. So it, it just what you talk about is mind blowing and needs to be common knowledge everywhere. So please do continue. Yeah, thank you. I I really felt the same as as you were just talking about literally just now, Leona, which is like, as I was learning these things, I remember thinking, hold on a minute, I've never heard anything good about testosterone. And yet it's completely essential for male mental health, physical health and life expectancy. Not only are men and boys not taught that, but worse, there's stigma associated with testosterone that prevents men and boys from finding out useful health information when they're in crisis and when they actually need it. And I carried on studying in this way, which was assuming I knew nothing because I did genuinely know nothing, just asking big questions and really just trying to find out what the answers were from an evidence perspective. And at the end of the first six months of learning this way, I realized I wasn't learning very much new anymore. I'd kind of come to the conclusion that there are five different dimensions to male mental health, which men need to balance. We won't go into them in this podcast because actually the workshop where I deliver that is a 90 minute workshop. So obviously, you know, there's only so much we can do on a podcast. But what I do want to do is I want to share some of the most useful takeaways about male mental health and about how the myths that we believe in actually probably attribute to a lot of the premature deaths that men experience. And that first thing that I found out on those first two days of learning, once I knew how important testosterone was for a man's mental health and physical health, I had to know what are the key ingredients for a healthy level of testosterone. I'd always believed my whole life that testosterone levels in men depend upon age. I don't know if you've heard this, Leona, but there's a lot of information out there that once a man reaches 30, his testosterone levels pretty much decline for the rest of his life. I hadn't. I hadn't. I mean, I feel um, that I should know more as a mum and as a wife. I, I feel like I should have known these things, but they're not things that are necessarily taught to you or even common knowledge um, in media. And I, I am... I think that they should be because actually you don't understand that and it's not something that's taught very openly and honestly at all. Yeah, and actually we can we can actually say the same thing about when it comes to female hormones and things like the menstrual cycle as well because actually yeah. while we're talking about male hormones um it's not just male hormones that are misunderstood by you know and that there's a lack of information around. There is a real lack of information around male hormones, but I think sometimes it goes both ways and even until mm -hmm. recently, I really knew next to nothing about the menstrual cycle, really. So, yeah. And and, and, and how, you know, and hormones, you're right. Hormones have a massive part to play. Obviously, I've got three teenagers and, you know, watching them go through different points in, in the month. Well, it will be different, obviously, for boys and girls but the reality is is you can see when there's a, a dip in something a, a surge of another hormone and you know for for women that are, have uh, um, uh, 
experiencing you know their their time of the month or going through the menopause that affects them differently and so when you look at things like postnatal depression often that's due to a hormone imbalance and so it is a such an important conversation and i think we are now talking about that for women more and more but i the I would say that's more of an everyday conversation that it used to be, but definitely not for men. And because suicide impacts so many men, and we have brothers and husbands and partners and friends, I think even as a woman, I feel responsible for understanding this more so that I can support the people around me as effectively as possible and also understand how they can help themselves. Yeah. I could, I love that. And I was at a talk about two weeks ago and there was a lady speaking on stage. She was actually speaking about menopause um, and she's a doctor who works at a hormone clinic. And she opened her talk just by saying every single thing that your body does is controlled by hormones. Mm-hmm. And that really kind of put it in perspective for me that it's such an important thing. It's the way that our brain communicates with our body, that our organs communicate with one another. And yet we play it down when it comes to mental health. So once I'd learned how important testosterone was, I had to know what are these key ingredients for a healthy level of testosterone. While I'd started by thinking that age was the biggest factor, I no longer believe that at all. And I'm going to explain why. There's, I'm going to take you through four factors, in fact, five factors that impact testosterone considerably more than age. These are separate to the different dimensions of male mental health. This is just one small part of what I believe everyone needs to know. So the first and biggest factor that affects testosterone levels in men is actually sleep. The level of the the number of hours that a man had last night for sleep directly impacts the amount of testosterone that he has today. And in fact, one study in 2018 found that each missed hour of sleep temporarily lowers a man's testosterone by the equivalent of 12 years of aging. So the way that works is I'm 33 at the moment. I know you can't believe it, but I had a very easy life. And if I missed one hour of sleep last night, today I would have the same level of testosterone as a man who's 45 and had eight hours sleep. If I missed two hours sleep last night, then today I would have the same level of testosterone as a man who is 57 and had eight hours sleep. So sleep is by far and a long way the most important factor for a healthy level of testosterone in men. After that, the next most important factor, arguably two and three are almost just as important, but the one that I'm going to put next is actually diet. And specifically for a healthy level of testosterone, men need lots of homemade food, food made from whole food, whole vegetables. And green vegetables are really, really important part of that because there are lots and lots of different elements, different vitamins and minerals inside green veg that act as a bodyguard to testosterone inside a man's blood. So once once a man's body makes testosterone, If there's lots of green veg in his diet, that testosterone will last longer. It won't be broken down as quickly. Fascinating. So so we've got sleep, we've got diet, then we've got exercise. And 
Exercise is a really interesting one because there was an enormous study that came out in May this year. And it found that actually for the treatment of depression, stress and anxiety, the single most effective thing that we can all do is exercise. In fact, this one study found that exercise is one and a half times more effective than medication and one and a half times more effective than talking therapy. And this study was based on adults getting 150 minutes of exercise a week, which is also the same level of exercise that the NHS recommends. So that's 20 to 30 minutes a day is better for your mental health than taking antidepressants. It's better for your mental health than attending talking therapy. Of course, if you're in a challenging situation at the moment, you might wanna be doing two of those things or even three of those things. But if you could only do one of those things for your mental health, the most effective thing you can do is to get 20 to 30 minutes of exercise a day. And then there was a last factor. The fourth thing that men need for a healthy level of testosterone is vitamin D, which comes from the sun. And when I learned these four things, I remember thinking, oh crap, because I knew Brad and I know that, yeah, he did all the things that we tell men to do. He went to the doctors, he took antidepressants, he attended talking therapy, he called his mum every night and told her how, she, how he was doing. But nobody that he spoke to knew enough about male mental health to realize that Brad was focusing all of his energy on work. And I knew him well enough to know that sleep, homemade food, exercise and sunshine just weren't on Brad's list of priorities. I realized they weren't on mine at the time and that actually trying to be a man is something that kills a lot of men. Because on the flip side, modern life is full of things that make it hard for a man's body to make testosterone. So, for example, getting less than eight hours sleep, eating processed food, not getting exercise. Of course, not getting sunshine is a problem. But there's another big factor as well that we can't skip over. And it's been found that each single alcoholic drink temporarily lowers a man's testosterone by the equivalent of six years of aging. So this is something really important for men to be aware of because alcohol lowers testosterone in men. Men with low testosterone are depressed. And what do depressed men like to do? Go to the pub, drink at home by themselves. Absolutely. Isn't that fascinating that has such a correlation between their testosterone levels and their mental health? It's really fascinating. And in fact, I'm going to... I won't explain it in detail here um, because we could do a, we could do a whole workshop on this, but I'm going to just quickly drop in something that I've learned, which is all the bad things that we blame testosterone for, you know, whether it's aggression, whether it's irritation, all the bad things that we blame testosterone for are actually caused by a neurotransmitter in men's brains called noradrenaline. When men drink alcohol, testosterone goes down and noradrenaline goes up. And, and actually, if you've ever heard of a testosterone-fueled drinking environment, there is no such thing as a testosterone-fueled drinking environment. Testosterone and alcohol cannot coexist. Mm -hmm. Men who are drinking alcohol have low testosterone, high levels of noradrenaline, and that's what's associated with uh, aggressiveness, with not being agreeable, 
and even with things like domestic violence and abuse. Wow, uh, that is huge. That is huge because, you know, in understanding this, you can create generational change. You can create changes in people's behavior and you can support the people that are in your environment because one, I don't I don't drink and one of the reasons why I don't drink is I just don't like that hyperaggression when people drink I don't like to be around that and you can understand that when you explain why that happens it makes complete sense I funnily enough also don't drink I'll be five years sober at the end of this year so congratulations wow. as well Wow. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely interesting. It wasn't. It, it was really interesting for me because it wasn't like I put a stake in the ground and I was like, you know, I don't drink, but I just don't enjoy drinking. Um, I don't enjoy being in an environment where there's lots of people really drunk. Um, and so it was very much just it's not part of my life. In fact, interestingly, it be inspired. I had one whole glass of Prosecco is the most I've drank in two and a half years um but I felt comfortable in that environment because everybody was on a different vibration and enjoying themselves but I mean that was the extent of my my drinking now and I just don't feel the need to or the desire to to be honest um but it I mean it makes sense it absolutely makes sense thank you so much Ryan for sharing with us you you are doing this you're 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 educating people on stage after stage after stage in in lots of company environments and what's the the goal for you so the goal for me is to ultimately start seeing those rising levels of male suicide slow down and reverse and everything else that i do should support that goal ultimately what i do is we've spoken about a tiny tiny part of the science of mental health which is the fact that testosterone is important there are so many other myths that actually shroud male mental health and make it impossible, not only for men to get good help, but for other people to advise men correctly. And so I feel like there's three main problems that need to be tackled in, in male mental health. And I'll tell you how I personally try and make the world a better place. The first is there are so many myths associated with male mental health. Myths like one we've spoken about, testosterone is bad. The next one I normally talk about is the fact that men People say all the time that men just need to talk when actually the evidence is that it's nowhere near as simple as that. There are specific reasons why talking is not the most effective form of support for men. And there are very specific reasons why there are other things that men need to do as well as talking. So talking is vital for everyone, but for men, it's definitely not sufficient. And all the science that I've read supports that. So the first thing we need to do is we need to bust through these myths and actually change the culture around male mental health into an evidence-based culture that's accepting of facts as opposed to theories and rumors and misconceptions and the way that i try and the way that i try and make that better is by delivering talks and workshops based around the science of male mental health in fact that's the name of my main workshop the next challenge that we have that's really badly affecting men is that most of the mental health advice that's out there, it's not targeted at men, men don't feel it's relevant to them, and it doesn't speak the language that men speak. We have a real terminology problem when it comes to male mental health. One of the challenges is, for example, there's lots of information now around the, around the concept of wellness, and I think that's brilliant, but it's been found that men don't know what wellness is. Mm -hmm. Actually, what lots of people refer to as wellness, men often refer to as self-improvement. 
Mm-hmm. And I find that when rather than talking to men about wellness and self-care, talk to men about science and self-improvement, and you'll never be able to stop them talking about mental health. And that's actually a yeah. key, key differentiator, actually. Male and female mental health is very different in terms of what we have to do for it. Sorry, Leonie, you were going to say, and I was going to add there's a third thing we need to do as well. Yeah, please go. Tell us. So when I build the training that I deliver, the corporate programs that I deliver, and we I make sure that everything's done in a way that uses the words that men use. So rather than forcing a new way of thinking upon men, actually what we do is we I've looked at what works for men and I know the words that men use because I've had hundreds of hours of coaching calls over the last couple of years. And so actually we take the way that men think and we turn it into an effective proven framework. And then lastly, 11 years ago, the Samaritans found that the current approach to male mental health, one of the reasons why it's not working is because it's not actually addressing the specific factors that are associated with poor mental health or with suicide in men. And so I took everything I learned from over 500 different studies and years of working with men around their mental health. I took all the science and all the strategies I could and I put it all into one single evidence-based framework. And that's the framework that I deliver in my longer talks and in my workshops. So they're the problems that we have. And the way that I think we can get on top of it is we need to take an evidence-based approach. We need to make mental health more relevant to men, more targeted to men. And we need to focus on the things that matter to men so that the treatments that, that we can offer and the interventions become much more effective. Absolutely. I think it's very, very important. So one question I have for you, I know I know you're short for time and you're a very busy guy educating the world, which I love. Um, as, as, as a woman, I, like I said, I have teenage boys and I have a husband. And one of the things I always joked with people about is the fact I had to exercise my boys specifically like a dog every day. Otherwise, <laughs> I would find that they lacked focus. They were a little bit more down in their kind of emotions um my husband especially used to like pace pace the house if he hadn't been exercised for the day um and I now when you stood on stage and you explained all about testosterone I understood why that needed to happen and even in my little seven-year-old boy he's exactly the same you know he struggles more if he hasn't been exercised like a dog (laughs) And, you know, he, he, needs, he, he needs that. And my husband's literally out right now exercising him on the beach. They're practicing football. And, and he's so much more clear-minded. He's more focused. And it's something simple that we can do. And when we understand that it is something simple that we can do that will make a massive difference, I genuinely believe that the world can change. And as a woman... I now understand how I can help the men around me. So as as a woman, is there anything else that we can be doing? Oh, that's a really lovely question. The main thing that I would say is I think it helps both women and men to understand one of the key differences between male and female mental health. So one of the very, very main differences is, yes, we have these different hormones, Yes, we have different hormonal systems, but how does that come out in male mental health? And and the main difference is this. Female mental health is really, really focused around emotions. And actually, positive female mental health 
one of the key factors is expressing your emotions and feeling because of other people's reactions that your emotions are valid. So really, I'd kind of say getting it off your chest is a nice way of putting it. Mm-hmm. This is really important for women because when you share with others how you feel, when you talk with others, a hormone called oxytocin lowers your stress. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen in men. Male mental health is not about emotions, even though the current approach to men who are in crisis is encourage them to open up and share how they're feeling and then tell them that's valid. But male mental health is not about that. Positive male mental health is about feeling capable. And the best thing that men can do for their mental health is know who they need to be and feel progress towards being that man. And actually, the current approach to male mental health can be quite harmful to men because men need to feel capable in order to have positive male mental health and in order to overcome thoughts about suicide. This is really clear from lots of studies. And one of the things that we do as a society is when men say that they are down, that they're depressed or they're having thoughts about suicide, the world encourages them to share how how they feel and then we sympathise. And I believe that's really dangerous. So what I would do if I was talking to a man and he was really badly depressed or if he told me he was having thoughts about suicide is I would not sympathize with him because that would make him feel less capable. You know, it's sometimes people might feel that if you're sympathizing with them, then you don't see them as being capable. And Mm -hmm. actually, I focus on how strong he is. I'd say I'm really impressed with what you've done. I'm blown away by the fact that you had the guts to tell me this Um, and I would take a moment to appreciate what a strong man he is, as opposed to making him feel less capable by saying, well, that must really suck. I feel sorry for you. And I think if we, as a society, if if men understood more about female mental health and about how important emotions are to women, and if women understood more about male mental health and how important feeling capable is to men, I believe that everyone would have better mental health and be able to treat others in a more equitable way. And absolutely, and you'd have better relationships because you'd understand. You okay? Let's let's stereotype here. You have a male and a female relationship just for ease. You, as a female, would be able to understand, you know, male hormones because you understand the way that genetically we are made. And I know that's very stereotypical, and I understand that there are lots of different types of relationships. But from a hormonal perspective. If you are, you know, you are triggered hormonally by something and somebody else is triggered hormonally by something else, actually then coming together and understanding each other on a deeper level is not only better for your own mental health, but also the the mental health of your partner. And so having that greater understanding means that you have better connection which means ultimately have better relationships and actually that goes for your children as your children grow and they deal with all of the things that come along with growing up it just means that you're able to understand each other on on a deeper level so thank you so much for I know it's been short and brief but I really appreciate your help it's such an important conversation and I I want to help you you know spread this far and wide as far as possible um Ryan where can people find you before you dash off Oh, thank you so much. So my mission is to share the science of male mental health through talks, through workshops and through my coaching program so that you never lose the men that you care about to suicide. If anything that I've spoken about has resonated with you, if you want to bring me into work to give a talk or if there's a man in your life that you're worried about, 
and you think it would be good for us to have a conversation, the best way to reach out to me is through my website, which is themenscoach.co.uk. Fill in the contact form and I'll call you within 24 hours. Wow. Thank you so much, Ryan. I appreciate you. And uh, go stalk Ryan, ladies and gents, because he is awesome. That's a wrap on another episode of the Rebel Influence podcast with me, Leona Burton. I hope you've enjoyed this rebellious journey through the world of influencers who've marched to their own beat. Special thanks to our sponsor, Peaks Private Members Club, for their support in bringing these stories to you. If you want to stay connected with the Rebel Influence community, make sure you subscribe, rate and review this podcast. And don't forget to follow me, Leona Burton, on my socials.